Good morning. My name is Daniel Foster. Our scripture today comes from Lamentations chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 and 11 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. See how the precious children of Jerusalem, worth their weight in fine gold, are now treated like pots of clay made by a common potter. Even the jackals feed their young, but not my people Israel. They ignore their children's cry like ostriches in the desert. The parched tongues of the little ones stick to the roofs of their mouths in thirst. The children cry for bread, but no one has any to give them. But now the anger of the Lord is satisfied. His fierce anger has been poured out. He started a fire in Jerusalem that burned the city to its foundations. Not to king in the whole earth, no one in all the world, would have believed that an enemy could march to the gates of Jerusalem. Yet it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the sins of her priests who defiled the city by shedding innocent blood. This is the word of the Lord. The 2014 NFC Championship game is a game that Packer fans do not speak about. On January 18th, the Packers faced a confident and formidable Seattle Seahawks team at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. The Seattle fans went into the game in celebration knowing that the Packers were a far lesser team and their Super Bowl ticket was all but punched. However, the Packers silenced the Seattle crowd with three and a half quarters of dominant football. With only five minutes and 13 seconds left on the clock and a 19-7 lead, Packers corner Morgan Burnett picked off Russell Wilson for the fourth time that day. Burnett, with nothing but daylight ahead of him, obeyed the get down signal of his veteran teammate Julius Peppers and promptly slid. Rather than going for the kill by taking it to the house, the Packers opted to play safe. And so began the worst meltdown in Packer franchise history. When the clock read 5.13 in the fourth, the Packers had a winning probability of 99.3% and for the remainder of the game, the improbable .7% played out, and the Packers lost on a touchdown pass to Jermaine Curse in overtime. Shortly after the game, analysts identified 15 things that went wrong in the meltdown, of which the Morgan Burnett slide was one. Dubbed the Frustration 15, this list includes other painful moments like Brandon Bostick's boneheaded failure to block, on Seattle's onside kick attempt, Bostick's assignment was to block in order for receiver Jordy Nelson to recover the ball. Instead, Bostick went up for the ball and it promptly bounced off of his helmet. The Seahawks recovered the ball and Bostick was promptly cut after the loss. The frustration 15 included Seattle's successful two-point conversion, which came on a Russell Wilson pass to Luke Wilson over the head of a completely lost safety, haha ha Clinton Dix. Another item on the list occurred when Seattle lined up for a field goal in the third quarter. Punter John Ryan faked the field goal by throwing a touchdown pass to a wide-open Gary Gilliam. It was later revealed that Seattle was not going to run the fake if Packers linebacker Brad Jones wasn't on the field. Seattle knew that Jones was overly aggressive on kicks, allowing the punter to elude the rush and throw the resulting touchdown pass. On the drive leading up to the fake field goal, the Green Bay defense had pinned Seattle to 2nd and 31, then 3rd and 19. Seattle converted the 3rd down when Green Bay rushed 3 and failed to apply any pressure. Russell Wilson found Doug Baldwin for 29 yards and a first down. 
To top it all off, Clay Matthews was flagged 15 yards for a late hit on the play. These are only several of the Frustration 15, but what's so fascinating is that if only one of these 15 things doesn't happen, the Packers win the game. This is one of the reasons why Packer fans don't talk about this game. It's too painful to think that if only one of these 15 things didn't happen, Green Bay would have been making an appearance in the Super Bowl. I bring up this game because it reminds me of how we as humans process grief and pain. The frustration 15 resulted from analyzing the entire game play by play and contemplating. What if these things went different? Essentially, the frustration 15 is a detailed list of why this game causes so much pain for Packer fans. We process grief and pain in much the same way. We analyze, we turn the details over and over again in our minds, and, and we ponder questions like, what if this had happened differently? What are the causes of all my grief and pain? Why is this so painful? Would I have been able to avoid any of this? When it comes to pain and grief, we go over it detail by detail. And this is exactly what Jeremiah does in Lamentations. He is processing the pain detail by detail. This is obscured by our English translations, but in the original Hebrew, chapters 1 through 4 of Lamentations are an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. Today we're looking at chapter 4, and chapter 4, verse 1, begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Aleph. And there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and correspondingly there are 22 verses in Lamentations chapter 4. The first verse beginning with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Aleph, and the last verse, verse 22, beginning with the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is Tav. Why should we care about this acrostic? Because Jeremiah is processing the pain and grief of the destruction of Jerusalem in the same way that we all do. He is going over each and every detail, leaving out nothing. Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser says, The purpose was to make sure that the grounds of grief and suffering were worked through completely. No facet should be left out. Every detail of the human tragedy must be itemized and expressed completely. So we might put this all in something that we as English speakers can understand, and we might say that in the same way that Jeremiah processes pain from Aleph to Tav, we process pain from A to Z. In Lamentations chapter 4, Jeremiah is going to model what it looks like to process the details of our grief by answering two questions. The first question is, what is so painful? And the second question is, why are we suffering? He is going to answer what and why as he processes the details of pain and suffering. First, the question, what is so painful? Certainly, the main reason for the pain that Jeremiah is experiencing is the destruction of the city of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. But grief is worked out in detail. And in verses 2 through 5, Jeremiah zooms in on the painful details of Jerusalem's demise. Look at verses 2 and 3. Jeremiah says, See how the precious children of Jerusalem worth their weight in fine gold are now treated like pots of clay made by a common potter. 
Even the jackals feed their young, but not my people Israel. They ignore their children's cries like ostriches in the desert. See, when the Babylonian army laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, the food supply to the city gets cut off because you're surrounded by enemy troops. And so when the food supply that the city had stocked up ran low, people were literally starving to death in the city and so were the children. The kids were starving as well, which is so painful to think about. Look at verse 4. The parched tongues of their little ones stick to the roofs of their mouths in thirst. This is the detail that Jeremiah goes into as he works through the pain. The description of sticky tongues in the mouths of children dying of thirst penetrates deep into the pain centers. It penetrates deep inside of us as we imagine children who are so thirsty that their tongues are sticking to the roofs of their mouths. To put it in a way that we might understand, it's, it's not just that there was a miscarriage. It's that now there's a room in the house that was set up for a baby that now sits empty. The details of the pain matter, and Jeremiah shows us how to name and work through them. Now the next question, why are we suffering? Jeremiah begins to answer that question in verse 6 when he says, The guilt of my people is greater than that of Sodom. The suffering is happening because the people were guilty of repeated and blatant and unrepentant sin against God. But it's not just that they were guilty of sinning. That's the overarching topic. We know that this is happening because it was a guilty city, because they had sinned blatantly and unrepentantly. It's not just that they're guilty of sinning, it's that false prophets had led them astray for years. Look at verse 13. Jeremiah says, Yet it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the sins of her priests who defiled the city by shedding innocent blood. Jeremiah doesn't just say that the city is guilty. He goes into the detail of laying, laying the burden of guilt at the feet of the false prophets. For years, Jeremiah was in the crosshairs of these false prophets because Jeremiah preached the truth. And the truth was that if the city did not turn away from their wicked ways, destruction would come upon the city. And now that that destruction has come upon the city, the false prophets are taking notice. While Jeremiah was preaching the truth and the warnings of impending destruction if people did not turn away from their wicked ways, the false prophets told people what they wanted to hear. They said, everything's fine, don't worry, you're great, God's great, everything is great. But now that the punishment that Jeremiah warned them of is here, Jeremiah lays the responsibility at the feet of the false prophets. It is the false prophets who had the blood of their city on their hands. Jeremiah, as he works through the pain in detail, identifies what is so painful and he identifies why they're suffering. And this model of identifying what's so painful and why the suffering helps us to work through our own pain. I asked my friend Dr. Lee Hildebrand, who's a Christian counselor, what place the naming of pain holds in our working through grief. And here's what he said. He said, naming the causes of our pain is a crucial part of any healing. The ability to name our pain in the presence of a safe and appropriate person and in the presence of God is extremely healing and can assist us with improving the narrative about situations that contribute to our pain. 
So maybe I'll just close out this message by practicing what I've preached. First, the question, what? What's so painful? If I were to name what's so painful, I would say that it's painful because I don't get to see any of you. And details matter, so it's not just that I don't get to see any of you, it's that when I connect with you, there's always a screen or a phone in the way. There's always a technological device in the way of me say, seeing your real life face. My sermons normally feel like a gift for you all that the Lord gives me to steward throughout the entire week. And now when I give sermons, it's not looking into your faces. Rather, when I give sermons, it's to this camera screen like I am right now, and it's to this iPad. And the Lord gives me these sermons, and it feels like this gift that I get to steward and craft and build throughout the week. And then Sunday morning is this incredible privilege that I get to experience of taking this gift that I've prepared all week long and stewarded, and I finally get to give it to you all on Sunday morning. It's this sacred moment of gift giving where I get to be with you all, give this gift that I've been stewarding, and we all can take a moment together to open our ears and our minds and listen to what is the Lord saying to us as a community? What is the Lord saying specifically in this time and specifically to His community at Grace 242? And now when I give the gift, rather than giving it in this holy and sacred moment, I feel like I'm passing it off to some brown Santa UPS man, and I'm trusting that this UPS man is going to just deliver it to its destination. But I don't get to see where it's delivered to. I just have to hope that it goes to the right place. And now to the next question, why are we suffering? The overarching answer is coronavirus, the pandemic. That's the cause of all this. But details matter. So we remind ourselves that we are suffering right now because we live in a world that is plagued with sin and death. And it's our own fault. Coronavirus is because of our rebellion in the garden so long ago. It goes all the way back to our own unwillingness to accept the role that God had given us. And rather than accepting the role that God had given us, we wanted to be God Himself. And so this sin and this suffering and this pandemic goes all the way back to our rebellion way back in Eden in Genesis 3. Our world is not right, and now I long more than ever for our world to be made right. Because I am flat out sick of this. And I miss you all. And I miss seeing you in person. And making much of our Lord in the flesh together. I long for the world to be made right more than ever. Thank you God for knowing what it's like to be us. Thank you to the Son, Jesus, who becomes human 
so that he can walk in our shoes. And as he walks in our shoes, he experiences pain, suffering, grief. So he knows as he sits on his heavenly throne at this moment, he knows what it's like to be us. And thank you, son Jesus, that we have your return to look forward to someday. And that when you do come back, this longing for our world to be made right will be accomplished. That all this pain and suffering and grief that we experience will be no more. Maybe I'll just close by reading Revelation 21 verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever.